Hi, and welcome to the MBA Summit Podcast Edition, where we're diving into the topics prospective MBA candidates actually care about and giving you real answers from real students. I'm John Byrne, Editor-in-Chief of Poets and Quants. In this episode of Real Students, Real Issues, we're talking with three MBA candidates about how they take mental health and wellness seriously in business school, and why you should too, and what resources are available to prioritize both. Let's dive in. We have Rachel Becker, who will be graduating, actually, this year, class of 20. And she is the co-founder of the Comfort Zone, which we'll find all about. It's a wellness initiative here at the Ross School at the University of Michigan. We also have Nadia O'Guinney, who is also an MBA candidate, first year, uh, class of uh, 21. She is experienced uh, a competitive undergraduate education at Penn uh, and was previously at Hulu. And she serves on the wellness committee here, as well as the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. And we have Angad Baga, an MBA candidate, Michigan Ross, class of 20. He's our would-be entrepreneur in the group and works on the Zell Lori commercialization fund as a venture capital fellow. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. So, you know, thinking about mental health as a part of overall wellness might be a new thought to a lot of people. I'm wondering, in your experience, how do you think your peers in business school relate to the topic of mental health? Rachel? Thank you. That's a great question. I think for from my perspective, people tend to shy away from mental health. And in the craziness that is this amazing two-year program, we have so many awesome opportunities afforded to us from incredible clubs that we can join, lots of social events. Um, surviving a crazy stressful recruiting season when you're an MBA one coming in and just, you know, getting reacclimated to being a student and surviving the core classes. I know for me, mental health and wellness was kind of my last priority. And that's what I really wanted to change. And that's why the comfort zone came to be. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the Comfort Zone, we founded it in 2018 out of actually a case competition. And the idea was that mental health and wellness really was the last priority um, for a lot of students coming into school. And we wanted to change that and make it more acceptable. So we decided to create this group called the Comfort Zone. And the idea was that we did have a lot of resources here at Ross that existed um, from CAPS to, you know, other types of programming that some undergrads actually were doing. And we wanted to make that accessible for all students and we wanted to make it more inclusive. So it's a club. It is more of an initiative than a club. It sounds like a club, but it is an initiative. The idea, we wanted to make it open for all. Uh, clubs at Ross traditionally have a fee associated to it. This uh. is free for all students. We have a lot of support from the program office, and they provided us with ample funding to build out robust programming around the different pillars of wellness. And every year, we do twice a year uh, wellness week. And we just had our last one back in January during a particularly stressful time for a lot of students going through recruiting season for the first time. So we had a keynote speaker, Greg Harden, who came from the university. He's kind of seen as Tom Brady's guru. He is a wellness coach for the students and for the athletes here at Michigan. And he came in and a lot of 
actually men came to this program to learn about how to be an athlete and what it takes. And they were actually surprisingly met with uh, how to focus on your mental health and put that first. Uh, so not only being your best academic star, being the best business school student, but how can you be the best version of yourself um, in all parts of your life? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll echo that. I was at that talk, uh, which was really compelling. There's a line that he said in there that really resonated with me, and it's um, the thing that you have to know best about yourself is you. Like you have to, you have to really understand who you are, um, and what you like and what you don't like. And, and going back to what Rachel was talking about before, the NBA experience is a lot of things thrown at you. There's fourteen thousand things going on all the time. How you pick what you want to do should be predicated on what you enjoy, but it's often the case of more of. There's a real FOMO issue. There's a real like, uh, oh man, you guys are going to that thing. Maybe I should go to that thing. I, <laughs> as someone, as someone who's like a, uh, aspiring entrepreneur, someone who's working in entrepreneurship, I often was like, oh, maybe I should like try consulting casing. Like I should maybe see what that recruiting cycle is like and, and try it out. But then you're pushed back and you're like, wait, what? Like that makes no sense. So really understanding who you are is pretty critical to this. Thanks, God. Yeah, and we want to be part of changing that conversation and yeah. making it more acceptable in business school um, for people to be open about those mental health issues that do come with these incredible privileges that we have. Yeah. I mean, in the past, people would not have wanted to make himself that vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. true. But I think that's changing, like God said. I think it's changing, too, because it's... Um, NBA, the NBA experience in general is also a very introspective experience. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it gives you time to think about what it, talk about privilege. Like it's time, two years to be like, all right, who, yeah. what do I want to do? Uh, who do I want to be? And, and who are the people in this environment that are going to help me get there, but also want to be the people that I resonate with over time? Mm -hmm. Um, and so what comes out of that is this idea of like, you know, self-reflection and understanding who you are. Yeah. And it's also a personal journey. Yeah. It looks different for everybody. So one of the things that the comfort zone we're trying to do is make it more personalized for everyone. So we know it's not one size fits all um, and trying to incorporate programming and work with other organizations within the school um, to make sure that we're making wellness accessible for everybody. So Nadia, you've, you're on the wellness committee at Ross. Tell me what you've been involved in. Yeah, so as part of the DEI committee and specifically the wellness subcommittee, I've been working on increasing visibility around the wellness resources at Ross. Uh, so when a student steps foot on campus, they're able to get access to a platform where they are able to access all the wellness resources as it relates to financial wellness or physical wellness or even emotional wellness. Those are like the main things that I've been working on with the DEI committee, and we're hoping to uh, get more students aware of all the resources that are available to them. So I've been told I should medicate. Medicate. Yeah. Is that a <laughs> way to way? deal with uh, wellness? Um, I think people medicate in different ways. Some people medicate in terms of binge watching with like shows on Netflix. Some people medicate. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Rachel is giving a hand signal, which we can't see in a podcast. Okay. Um, some people medicate by like talking to loved ones. So whatever your form of medicating. Oh, I love that. Be. That's a broad <laughs> definition of medicate. Now, God, you, you alluded to this before, the fact that you come to business school, it's a big change from when you were working full time. Uh, and there's a lot that hits you. It's mm -hmm. uh, flack in the air yeah. coming in every direction. Totally. Uh, how? What's your advice for incoming students on how to best prepare mentally and emotionally for the MBA journey? We actually just went through an exercise as a section where uh, you wrote a letter to your to your MBA oneself uh, as we were second year students. So, um, what did the letter uh, say? 
Or what was it meant to say? Well, it was meant to give you advice on how you would have approached things differently based upon what you know now. So when I think about the idea of like, how could I have done this better? How could I prepare for this in terms of where my mental health is? um, I think about it in terms of just being more aware, educated on the things that I knew I was going to like and the the things I knew were going to be a challenge for me. I also would have liked to have gone back and been like, you know, what do I actually enjoy? Like, what are the things that get me excited in the day? What are the things that are going to help me grow into the person that I want to be? And that can be academic, that can be social, um, that can be recruiting specific as well. And just having those conversations, I'm a type of person who like needs to talk to people in order to learn. Like I can read a book, but it's not going to resonate as well as like actually talking to somebody. Um, and just being able to have honest dialogue. So it's great to have, you know, podcasts like these and, and when you're listening in and, and reading all these articles is one thing, but to actually get the experience of someone who is here, um, because also we, none, most of us aren't from this area too. That's another thing to consider. Like you're moving into a completely different geography, um, an environment where it can feel like a bubble sometimes. Let's be honest. Like, you know, you're kind of like immersed in this entire experience and, and then like it, you're just, you're just dealing with that. So all in all, I would just say, get the advice of others. I'm actually curious to hear what other people would, would say as well. Rachel, what would you say? Yeah. yeah um, so I echo everything that Angad said, and I would just add to, to stay true to yourself. At least for me coming into the program, I knew exactly what I wanted to get out of it. And then I found myself having FOMO for consulting recruiting because all my friends were bonding over their shared misery of, you know, going through that process. And I felt like I was missing out. Oh, you, um, you needed to have the misery thing, as right? well. Yeah. <laughs> And then also staying grounded is another thing. Um, talking to friends that are not in business school to help you remember your life before business school. Because what happens is you get kind of put into this bubble, this incredible environment, and sometimes you lose sight of why you came here, right? Mm-hmm. And you just want to to keep up with everybody else and what they're doing. And what I found is I had to breathe, take a step back, and really seriously consider what was important to me in school and limit myself to those things. Because if you get swept up in everything, you might lose sight of those goals that you came into school with and you might drive yourself crazy. And uh, it's also important to fit in time for exercise. At least for me, that was a big challenge. Um, I was really into the fitness space when I was in New York. And then coming here, there was limited opportunities. I actually work part-time at City Row, which is a rowing studio here in Ann Arbor. That's a great way to kind of get off campus a little bit, meet people in other parts of the university other parts of to your point it's real easy to gain weight in business school like you go to these like recruiting events and there's food all the time and there's just like food everywhere and it's not a bad thing I'm yeah. very here for it but like you know the result is that you might have to hit the gym every night well a big, a big part of wellness is in fact exercise mm-hmm. right? yes yeah so Nadia what's your advice I guess for me I, I felt like business school is often seen as a way of stretching yourself and growing and stretching yourself past your comfort zone but oftentimes students do that to the point where they feel burnt out or they feel like they're no longer energized. Um, So definitely I echo a lot of what Rachel said in terms of just like coming to business school with a list of things, whether it's professional or personal that you want to accomplish. Um, And of course that list can deviate in some form once you step foot on campus, but it's also very easy to get swept up in all the things that being a business school student at Ross encompasses. Um, So just try and remain true to yourself, um, definitely echoing that thought and ensure that you're not um, detracting from your own wellness by doing everything else that everyone else is doing at Ross. 
I remember seeing like a pie chart in a weird graph the other day of, you know, people always say like hard work pays off, but it's a combination of like hard work and exercise and taking care of your mind and taking care of like everything else in between and making sure your like room is clean. The number of times I've been like, man, I really just like a clean space really impacts like your overall ability to like come home and be like, okay, I'm ready to take the next day or, or cooking meals, like all this kind of stuff. It, it enables... Know, you, your list is so long, it's causing me stress. Well, oh my God. Well, if you do all of it, your your stress level will go down um, significantly. And again, it's not... It's about baby steps to me. Um, it's that small thing. It's like, okay, like make a meal once a week and put a vegetable in your body. God forbid, right? <laughs> like, 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 and, and, and slowly build up the, the capability to make it part of your routine because... I think if you have that foundation, that's where that growth mindset actually gets enabled. Without that, it's kind of like you're building a house on a house of cards. Now, I'm imagining that the first year is the really more stressful year uh, because it's a year of transition, because you have the core, uh, and there's a good deal of early recruiting, uh, particularly for the internship, which may or may not set you up for a full-time job offer, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at the emotional map of an MBA journey, you find uh, that it peaks, meaning highest stress level, at exams and during recruitment time. Yep. Is that what you felt? Yes. Like, <laughs> definitely for sure. Um, in terms of recruiting, so I am slightly an anomaly because I did most of my recruiting over the summer. So I didn't necessarily have to worry about recruiting during my first year, which has been awesome. Um, But just in terms of academics and as someone who's very introverted, there's a lot of team collaboration at Ross and a lot of group projects, a lot of group assignments. Um, So that was something that took a while for me to get adjusted to because there's this constant like simulation where you have to interact and have to um, interface with different individuals within uh, your class. So definitely carve out time to at least uh, ensure that you're able to recharge and ensure that you're doing things that you're passionate about and things that re-energize you. Otherwise, you're going to definitely be burnt out in your first year. And Nadia, isn't that one reason why you decided to get an MBA? Yes, that's definitely one of the reasons. Of course it is. It's to take you out of your introversion. Yeah, Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think it's also, there's a lot to be said about um, having introverts as leaders too and having that different breadth of experiences and different breadth of personalities types as well. Um, so I think from the business school perspective, it's great to have a mixture within groups so that we can both learn from each other. So Rachel, what steps do you now take to kind of prioritize your own mental health and wellness? That's a great question. So it's a journey, I would say, and it ebbs and flows. But for the most part, I know myself and I know I need to exercise every day. I have a lot of energy. I know I mentioned to you earlier that I do not drink coffee. I'm a non-caffeinated person. It's insane person, to me that you do that. I and I rely that. entirely on my natural energy. And a lot of that comes from my level of fitness and incorporating that into my life every single day. And another thing that I try to do, and I don't know if I do it perfectly, but I'm working on it, um, is I try to journal or do some sort of meditation. And that's whether it's an actual app, Headspace actually has a deal for students where I believe it's $10 for an unlimited membership for the entire year, which is awesome perk because I think it's usually around $100. Are you shouting out a sponsor right yes, now? Yes, okay. sponsored by Headspace. <laughs> and, and, and what does that get you? Um, what does that get you? So you're able to have access to all of their different types of meditation. So whether if it's like a kindness meditation or something to de-stress, um, sometimes I'll do that while I'm walking to class. 
which I don't know if that's actually how you're supposed to meditate. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a danger to people on the road as I'm walking. But to me, if it's a nice day out and I have my headphones in and I'm listening to a meditation, there's nothing more relaxing coming into school feeling like, okay, I can conquer this day. And Nadia, do you have a technique or a takeaway? Yeah. Um, so for me, I do a lot of journaling. So if I feel like I'm overwhelmed or um, there are a lot of stressors in my life, whether it be just like personal or professional, I just write it down before I go to sleep. So I'm not like staying awake thinking about it. Um, and in my head, it helps me because it's something that's already been cataloged, something that I can move on from. Um, and I can just tackle it when I'm able to do something actionable towards it the next day. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I, I apply a similar approach and I I've always equated it to like, okay, I've taken it out of my brain and I've put it into a cloud. So it's like it's like a separate storage place. It's interesting too, because I also go back and read them. Um, it's a friendly reminder that the things that were big stressors for you, things that really were like making you really, really anxious or creating anxiety are, man, not even relevant to your life anymore. Um, like studying, I'm not gonna have to study for the GMAT again, which is actually really exciting. Um, thank God, thank God, right? Like, I mean, it's real. It's an, it's an, it's a challenging. That's test. awful. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, and, and and managing it with like work and managing like who do you tell at work and like everything else like that. But that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. The point being that it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a friend, it's a friendly reminder that the things that make you anxious or the things that create um, challenges for your mental well being. Um, are not necessarily there forever. And so when it, when you write about them, when you take them off your plate mentally, it allows you to go do the things that you want to go do, right? Like it's otherwise, and, and to your point too, like hit the journal and, and hit the gym and find spaces, whether it's anywhere, like Netflix, or if it's just like, I want to go play basketball for an hour. Um, find the spaces where you carve that out because otherwise... Yeah, you're going to go stir crazy. Now, do you meditate? Uh, I don't, actually. Um, I've tried it. I ended up falling asleep a couple times. Um, and Some. Yeah, which is not a bad effective. thing, right? Sleep's good. No, that's like, a good thing. That's a good thing. So, on God, you're actually an aspiring entrepreneur. Yes. And I'm thinking that wellness and entrepreneurship are two contrary thoughts. Sure. Uh, how do you think about that? Yeah, Um I think it goes back to something that I said earlier, which is the notion that, yeah, you're struggling and trying to figure out a bunch of different things. You're, you're, there's a million things to do and you only have so many hours in a day. But there's a, there's a line from a class that, that we actually, Rachel and I are in together. And it's the notion that like, you know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And so if you can actually slow down and think things through a little bit more, net net, the time amount it'll take to achieve it at a high quality is going to be great. So how do you slow down? It's not just, okay, my mind's going from here to here to here. There's a million things to do. It's more about how do I at least build the foundation where I can think things through in a better way, in a way that doesn't have like, there's not other 14 other thoughts in my head about things I need to go achieve. So um, when I can sit down and think through how I want to tackle you know, talking to a new customer or a new product feature or anything like that, it's it's refreshing and nice to know that I don't have to worry about like, oh man, I don't know what I'm eating for dinner today. And like, I can't just like order pizza because I need to make sure that I'm staying like relatively mentally and healthily fit in order for me to actually go do this. Because that's a real concern too, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you get sick, like that's a problem. Like you yep. can't really afford to do that. Uh, you get injured or something like that. It, it's not, um, 
you're better served taking care of yourself because, and the analogy I like to use is, you know, when you're on an airplane and they tell you to put the oxygen mask on first before you help anybody else, it's the same thing with like mental health and, and just like taking care of yourself. Only when you take care of yourself, can you take care of everything else? Um, it's something that I really subscribe to. Really true. Okay. Now, um, Rachel, you are in job search mode and I wonder in looking for a job for yourself post MBA, how important wellness is to that process. So in other words, do you want to work for a company that takes wellness seriously? Yes, that's really important to me. I would say coming into school, I knew that. And leaving school, it's even more important to me to work for a company that values wellness. So whether it's a company that is focused around health and wellness, or if it's a company that just subscribes to that internally, it's something that I'm really strongly considering. And I think a lot of MBAs should also think that way, whether they're going into consulting or banking, or an untraditional route? Does the company they work for care about them as a person and want them to have a healthy, happy life? Um, and I'll just make them a better employee in the long run as well. And you can still work long hours and be well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because after all, most post-MBA jobs are hard jobs. They're not easy jobs. A lot of people work 60 to 70 hours a week in those jobs. So if you go into an investment banking environment uh, and you may be working Saturdays and Sundays, although some people contend there is a pencil down uh, strategy. Yeah, we'll use some air firms, quotes around right? the Yeah, thing. exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. And there's different levels yeah. of wellness, right? So some companies, I worked at Johnson & Johnson this summer and I was on their corporate wellness team. And I saw firsthand just how dedicated the company was to employee well-being and the level of commitment, both financially and just resource-wise, they were to ensuring their employees were happy and healthy and taking care of themselves and their families. Um, so that's something that I really value in terms of where I end up after school, whether I'm creating that programming inside of a company or if I'm working for a firm or a company that is doing health and fitness in any shape or form. Right. Nadia, when you ultimately go and get your post-MBA job and you have to still do your internship, mm -hmm. uh, are you looking for a company that really takes wellness seriously? Yeah, so prior to Ross, I worked at Hulu, and uh, Hulu definitely prioritized wellness in terms of its employees. Uh, the company had limited PTO. Uh, there was also a wellness stipend as well that uh, employees had access to. So wellness is definitely a criteria for my company search. And in fact, I'll be interning at Nike this summer. So like physical wellness is something that's very important to me as well. Uh, so I would definitely say that a company that prioritizes wellness is definitely a priority for me. Now. I know you're creating a company. Sure. So I imagine that wellness has to be a part of it. Yeah. One thing I'll say first is that the, the company's remote. So that's a whole other added element of like, just how do you create a culture where people oh, are... Oh, it's virtual. Yeah. Yeah. So another channel, you know, just add a layer of complexity because why not? Because uh, wellness in itself is not, you know, it's not hard at all. Well, if you can uh, work in your pajamas from home, that's that's a sign of wellness. Yeah, to some degree. Uh, but the challenge is more so creating the, the balance between the work life of like, okay... Uh, yeah, my commute is to my laptop. I open it up and then I'm at work. Uh, so how do you actually create spaces where you are not necessarily working, even though you're in your same house? I mean, quite literally, sometimes I just go to coffee shops because I think the physical change in itself is good for me in terms of, okay, I'm at work. Now I'm not at work. The reality is that there's going to be a lot of MBAs, whatever job we're going to end up doing, we're going to be working a lot. Um, so let's just call a spade a spade with that. It's more about how do you take the time elsewhere when you're not working to figure out what wellness means to you. 
you know, I think all of us were working long hours before we got here too. And the reality was that on a Thursday night after you went to work, you probably hit happy hour or like on a Friday night or something like that. There's alternatives to that. I think it's just important to recognize that you don't necessarily have to do those like culturally accepted things of grabbing a drink on a Thursday, going out on Friday, day drinking on Sunday, brunch. There are alternatives. There, There's... There's more and more, I think this is me getting older, but also just being more in tune with myself of, let me take the time that I do have and focus it more on myself. Because the alternative is me just running around and and trying to figure it out and getting, to your point, really burned out. Okay, so let's talk about Gen Z, all right? (laughs) Now, Nadia, you're in Gen Z, aren't you? Yes, I am. Okay. How do we define Gen Z? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Gen Z is just starting to enter the market for MBAs, right? So it's sort of that age range. And it's said that uh, Gen Z is the most stressed generation of our time. Why do you think that's so? I think Gen Z definitely leverages social media uh, more often than other generations. So when you have that constant comparison and constant rat race, it's very hard to not feel stressed and not feel like Um, I guess your best may not necessarily always be good enough. So in terms of just Gen Z being stressed in general, it's just mainly because we're constantly exposed to things that may not necessarily be the best for our uh, overall wellness. Yeah, we've come to understand that technology has its limits and its um, downside. And that may be one of them. In fact, I would think that one of the reasons we're so stressed is because we're leashed to the outside world continuously by our iPhones, um, which acts as social media, among other things, right? Uh, in years past, you could escape it all. You, it's not that you build a barrier around yourself, um, but you didn't have this device in your pocket that kept buzzing <laughs> and distracting you from the present. I actually jokingly say that like people tag me in Instagram photos and I've essentially outsourced my Instagram. So like instead of me posting, like just check where I'm tagged and that's what's going on in my life. There are spaces that are starting to come up. Um, I'll shout out Discovery Dinners, which has been really interesting. The, the idea is you take six to 10 people, put them in a, in a dinner and just have a topic about like, I remember the first one I went to saying, you know, what, what does a good life mean to you? Like, how do you, what do you, how do you value the quality of your life? Um, and just having those real discussions. Cause I think that, uh, gets you to a place where you can get away from the social media stuff where it's also somewhat required to turn your phones off, uh, which helps a lot. But yeah, uh, I mean, just being present now becomes a priority, right? Yeah. Uh, because we're so distracted continuously. I would think that a key portion of wellness teaching should be, hey, be present. Don't be in your phone every single moment of your life and put your phone down. Don't go to bed with it and don't go to dinner with it. I think a lot of us too, our idea of putting our phone down if we're in a conversation is to put it face down on the table. But for me, if I see someone doing that, I still feel yeah. less connected to that person. You ever, you ever played the game at dinner where uh, everyone puts their phone down, first person to pick it up is paying for the meal? Never. It's the best game ever. It's like the new version of <laughs> Credit Card Roulette. It's, it's like the new version of Credit Card Roulette. I like that. Yeah, please. I, I love, love it, me to actually. Implement it. It's just everyone puts their phones down. Whoever picks it up first, you know, that's it. Put your card down. And I think for me too, with Instagram, I am an avid user. I grew up on social media. I worked with the Today Show and I, I worked on their social media team as well. And I find myself in positions sometimes where I distract myself by scrolling through Instagram. And during finals times or during times where I'm like, there's high stress, I delete the app. 
I redownload it when I when I want to, <laughs> but by deleting the app, I am less likely to look at it. Yeah. Um, I could go on my computer, my laptop, open it up. It's not the same experience. You can't do the same kind of stroll. And I find that to be really helpful. And some of my friends at school as well have implemented that during different periods of our MBA experience, just deleting it, redownloading it when we're ready to come back. Yeah. You know, the other interesting thing about this is that in my generation, it would have been um, something that you wouldn't talk about, okay? So there was very little to, to no transparency over whether or not you were stressed, filled with anxiety, close to a breakdown. Uh, you kept it to yourself. Uh, today, people are far more open about it. How come? Rachel? I would say people have changed how they view social media recently. I think Instagram now has become a powerful tool to be real and be honest. And a lot of celebrities have kind of taken charge in that. And I think it's become this powerful tool where you can really share your authentic self if done right. And I think there's also just been a shift in how um, millennials and, and Gen Zs are interacting with each other so much. And creating authentic relationships. And there's, there's just so much information coming at us at all the time that we kind of have no choice but to be real with each other because we're all kind of going through the same thing together. Indeed. The conversation's coming up more and more because um, it's like, okay, how do I be the best version of myself and the mental health component to it is starting to become more and more a part of that conversation. I'm constantly trying to think about how I can be a better version of myself. And if I'm not taking care of my mental, I'm not sure if I can achieve it. All right. Well, listen, we're running out of time, guys. So uh, I want to thank all three of our guests for unlocking their supercomputers today. <laughs> On God, thank you. And Nadia and Rachel, uh, good luck to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. for you folks out there, thanks for tuning in today. If you're in the market for more content like this, be sure to check out our other MBA Summit podcasts, including our alumni series, Beyond the Classroom, The Real ROI. I want to hear that myself. Oh, me too. <laughs> you can also visit the Michigan Ross website to learn more about what you heard today. This is John Byrne, and you've been listening to Real Students, Real Issues as part of the MBA Summit presented by Michigan Ross. <laughs>